All right. Matthew? Acts? Mm-hmm. Nope. First and Second Corinthians. These are still the epistles of Paul to churches. Galatians. Mm-hmm. Ephesians. Colossians. First and Second Thessalonians. First and Second Timothy. Mm-hmm. James. Revelation. Good. Sophie, can you tell me the names of the epistles of Paul to churches? Um, no. It, it, what's the first of the books, the, the first of the epistles to churches? Well, think. Yeah. Romans. Romans. Yes. 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 Seth, please tell me the Catholic epistles and revelation. Um, Yes. Yep. Yes. Cameron, please tell me the epistles of Paul to individuals. Matthew? No, that's one of the Gospels. There's only three of you and there's only four groups of books. I'm not going to ask you for the Gospels because you all know those. Acts? Nope. The, le- the epistles. What's an epistle? Like a, a letter? Mm-hmm. A letter. And not the ones to churches, which are the ones that Sophie had. Yes. But to people. So they would have somebody's name, not a land. Rome goes to the Romans. Rome. No, I, that's a place. But the other books are ones that have people's names. Uh, that's one of them, but you missed three books before that. First and second. Timothy. Yes. Titus. Yes. Philemon. Yes. Hebrews. Yes. Good. Uh, those are the ones to, to pastors or to, to people, not, not specifically to churches. So the way that Paul wrote his epistles, uh, he would write his epistle and then send it, and it would be like if we got a big letter in the mail, and then on Sunday morning you came to church, and our church was that I opened up that big giant letter and I read the whole letter to you. That would be a, a letter to the whole church. What if it was just to 
if it was just to an individual, then it would be just for that person, which is what these are. The, the epistles of Paul to Timothy and to Titus and to Philemon are written to those specific people, and they are for those people. Okay. Uh, good. Now, the catechism. What does God say about all these commandments? He, he says, says, I, the warrior God, am a jealous God, yes, punishing the children for the, the sins of, of the fathers mm-hmm. to the third and fourth generation of those who, who hate me, yes, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and Yes. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Yes. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against him. Yes. But he promises not love. He promises yeah, grace to to how many who keep? To all who keep these commandments. Therefore, we should also love and trust in yes, in Him and do yes. Okay, uh, let's do that again. But before we do that, this is a reminder that for next time, it's a review of. The entire Ten Commandments, just a minute, the entire Ten Commandments, and because I don't have time for every for us do, to do these all together, I'm going to call on people to give me the commandments. So I might do this. Cameron, what is the Fifth Commandment? And then, yes, what does this mean? That's what I'll do next week because this is a review of everything that we have learned up until this point. So work on your catechisms. Sophie, what is your question? That was my question. Are you going to call on one person? Yes, I will call on you individually. So review that this week. What does God say about all these commandments? He says, I... Mm-hmm. Punishing the children for the sin of their fathers. To the, the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations, all to the to those who love me and, and keep my commandments. Yes. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who. Break these commandments, yes. Therefore, we should and not do anything. Uh huh. But he promises. Yep. To all who. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we should also. Yes. Good. Review those 10 minutes a day. That's what, it, that's what it takes. That's all that it takes. You can do your catechism 
And you can do your terms in 10 minutes a day. You want to know how I know you can do that? Yeah. Because I did it. The guy who wrote all of these books, well, two of them. I wrote the one we're doing now. The pastor who wrote these books was my pastor growing up. So I went through all of this. I learned all these terms. I learned the catechism. And I did it 10 minutes a day or less. In fact, a lot of the time I took even less than 10 minutes a day. But you have to do it every day. Uh, okay, any questions? Any questions about the review next week? I think we have two weeks of that. <clears throat> so let me just double check. It's next week and the week after. So both of those two weeks are going to be review. Yes. So each time are you going to go around? Mm -hmm. Next week and the week after, as long as we're doing the, all of the reviews, I will have individuals do it. So just make sure that you brush up on that. Sophie. Mm -hmm. Well, I am not cruel, am I, Sophie? No. Okay. To the term quiz. Number one. The layman. Do you know what a layman is? A layman is someone who is not a pastor. Or in this case not a priest. The laymen who were experts in the law and who trusted in their own righteousness for salvation. They were considered to be superior to the rest of the Jews because of their adherence, that means sticking to, the law of Moses and the traditions of the Jews. Number two, unlike those laymen who were experts in the law, this group rejected the supernatural aspect of the law of Moses, and they rejected things like the resurrection of the body, life after death, and angels. They rejected the resurrection of the body. That's the biggest hint I could possibly give you. Number three. Gifts to the poor for the sake of caring for the less fortunate. These gifts can be financial, that is money, or material, which is things. The law also required a three-year tithe of the land's produce to be given to the poor, as well as forbidden workers to clean the grain that fell in their fields. The New Testament church in the book of Acts was especially concerned with this kind of care. Gifts to the poor. That's the big one. All right, number four. Number four. The place where Jesus prayed in anguish on Maundy Thursday over his coming death, but where Peter, James, and John could not stay awake. 
the place where Jesus was betrayed by Judas and arrested by the Jews. And lastly, number five, to suffer harm to the person, that is, to the body or your possessions or your good name or your reputation, all because of adherence, sticking to and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Harm for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Okay, do you need me to repeat some? Sophie. Number two. One and five? One and five. Okay. Number one. Uh, whoops, that's the wrong page. Number one. The laymen who were experts in the law and who trusted in their own righteousness for salvation. That means they were self-righteous. They were considered to be the best in Jewish society because they strictly observed the law of Moses and they got angry at Jesus when he didn't do what they thought he should do. And number five, Sophie, is to suffer harm to the person for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can suffer harm by harm to the body, harm to your possessions, harm to your good name, and harm to your reputation. What is it called when you suffer harm for the sake of Christ? Any more that anyone needs? Cameron? Five. I just read five. Uh, three. Okay, three. Gifts to the poor for the sake of caring for the less fortunate. And actually, I'll give you a bonus point. There's two kinds of gifts. Gifts to the church and gifts to the poor. You can get a bonus point if you can tell me what it's called when you give gifts to the church. Gifts to the church and then gifts to the poor. The term is gifts to the poor. What is that called? Okay, Seth, do you have any that you need me to repeat? Okay, very good. Cameron, number one. Uh, I still did get it. Pharisees. Pharisees. Self-righteous. The Pharisees are self-righteous. They think that by being really good at following the law, that they will win salvation. Sophie, number two. Not Israelites. Cameron. No. The Sadducees. There's Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sadducees are not like the Pharisees. They are so sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. That was the clue. I taught you that before. Why are they so sad, you see? Because they don't believe in the resurrection, those Sadducees. Well, I, somebody may have already written one like that. Otherwise, I'll let you write it, Sophie. Um, okay, number three, Sophie. Mm -hmm. 
Gifts to the poor. What is the word for that? Cameron? Almonds? Not almonds. Almonds are a kind of nut. You're close, though. Not all muns, but all... Alters? No, Seth. Alms. Just alms. Yeah, I'll give you half a point, Cameron. Okay. An almond is a nut, so I can't give you a full point. But it is an alm. Alms are gifts to the poor. And for the bonus point, Sophie, what are gifts to the church? Cameron? Tithe. Your tithe. Yeah. And do you know how much of how much a tithe is? One-tenth? Yes. One-tenth. That's what the name literally means. Tithe is one-tenth. So uh, the gifts that you give to the church are anywhere from 10 to 100% of what you have. So if you want to give the church everything that you have, all of your money and your house and your car, everything, you may but you don't have to. Uh, the Lord desires 10%, which is tithe. That's just a bonus point. Number four, Cameron. Uh, Gethsemane. Gethsemane, that is correct. What brook did they have to cross to get there, Cameron? The brook Kidron? Yes, I'll give you a bonus point for that. The brook Kidron. Very good. And Sophie, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter cut off the ear of... This one is only for you. I'm giving you a chance at redemption with a bonus point. Peter took out his sword and cut off the ear of who in the Garden of Gethsemane? I need an answer. I don't know. Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And lastly, number five. Who is that? Seth, is that you? Okay. Number five, Seth. Is it sacrifices? Not sacrifices, no. Sophie? I just put death. You can suffer death. Death is something that you can suffer with this. Cameron? I, I, I didn't get you. Persecution. Persecution. So when we pray, if you look in the congregation at prayer, and it has one of the things that we pray for, one of the groups of people we pray for every week is persecuted Christians. That is Christians who are suffering hardship because of the gospel. So things like this. Uh, if you go to church, they come into your church and they kill you. That's persecution. Another kind of persecution is if you go to church, they come and take away all of your money. So then you have your, you have your choice. Are you going to go to church and lose all of your money or are you going to not go to church and keep all of your money? You see? And they think that you will want to keep all of your money. So they say if they think that if they will take it away, then you will not go to church. Then if you do go to church and you lose all of your money, you are suffering persecution. Suffering harm for the sake of Jesus. Is it a good thing when you as a Christian suffer persecution? 
Not in some sense, but yes, it is good in another sense, because what did people think of Jesus? The God of... Well, did, did, did they like Jesus? Yeah, what did they do to him? They killed him. And how many times did they try to stone him? A lot. A lot. They tried to stone him and sought to kill him lots of times, and then finally did kill him. So if that happened to Jesus, who is the actual Son of God, what do you think is going to happen to you, who are just regular people who follow him? Probably the same thing. What happens to Jesus happens to you, which means that if Jesus is persecuted, you will be persecuted. So when Christians are persecuted, we thank the Lord that he allows us to suffer just like he did. And in that sense, it's good. Uh, now, Oh, I need to write this down. What am I doing? Sophie! Cameron! Mason is not here. Seth? All right. Now to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. So, where were we last time? What happened last week? What happened to Jesus? Cameron? Peter denied him. Yes, Peter denied him. Uh, yes, Matthew chapter 27. Okay. And we'll start at verse... Whoa... 11. <laughs> Excuse me. So, and where was it that Peter, uh, that Peter denied Christ? Where was he? Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Yes, the they were in well they were outside um but they were within the the campus of Caiaphas the high priest's house. So there was you'd go inside and then there was a courtyard that was still outside and then going into the house. It would be like if you walked into somebody's um, property, so if they have a fence on their front yard, and then you walked in the fence and closed the gate behind you, you're not in their house, but you are at their house. You're on their property? You're on their property, yeah. And in this case, the fence actually is big walls that go all the way up, and the, the fence gate is an, an actual door. So you go through that door, and then you're in the little courtyard, which is outside, and then you go into the actual building of his house. Uh, so Peter and John is there too. They are outside warming themselves by the fire while Jesus is inside the building and they're with the other guards and they ask Peter, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? 
And then one of them says, hey, yeah, my cousin was in the garden and uh, I was there too and you cut off his ear. I know you. And uh, Peter denies Jesus. Why does he deny Jesus? Yes, because he's afraid. He's afraid. He doesn't know what's going on and he is afraid to die. Now, Matthew 27, verse 11. We'll go clockwise, me to Cameron. Now, Jesus stood before the governor. Who is the governor? Is it Pontius Pilate? Yes, Pontius Pilate. So Jesus was at the high priest's house, and then the high priest sent him to Pilate. Why did the high priest send him to Pilate? Why didn't the high priest just take care of him himself? Because the high priest needs to say if he does need to be crucified. Well, the high priest wants Jesus to be crucified, but does the, is the high priest able to do that? No. No, because who's in charge? Pontius Pilate. Yes, and who does Pontius Pilate work for, Cameron? He works for, for the Jews? No, he does not he, 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 work for the Jews. Evil. He's not necessarily evil, he, he, but they, the Jews think that he is evil because he is the Romans. the Romans. Yes, Pontius Pilate is a governor that the Romans put there, which means that the Jews who should be in charge of things aren't actually in charge of things because they still have to ask permission from Pontius Pilate. So if they want to punish someone and put them to death, like they want to do with Jesus, they actually have to go ask Pontius Pilate for permission and have him do that for them. So they send Jesus to him, to the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Just a minute. What? You're too fast for me, Cameron. What does Pontius Pilate mean when he says, are you the king of the Jews? Because he... Um... Well, who calls him the king of the Jews? Pilate, Pilate. Yeah, but how does, I mean, how does Pilate know that Jesus is called that? Who calls him that before this? Jews. Yes, specifically at what occasion can you think of? Mm-hmm. Yes, Palm Sunday. Very good. Uh, now, can you think of a time even way before Palm Sunday when people talked about Jesus being a king? The, um, before he was born. Well, yes, before, but also when he was born. Because why do the Magi come from the East? No, I mean, why do they come all the way to Bethlehem to, to see a baby? Why do they travel so far? Because Herod wants to kill it. No, that's not... He does, but that isn't why they come. Because they want to worship the king. And they ask Herod, where is the king who is born to the Jews? And that's why Herod kills all the little boys. Because Herod wants to be the king and he doesn't want anyone else to be the king. So he asks, are you the king of the Jews? But does he mean king like wears a crown and sits on a throne? No. What does he mean when he says, are you the king, Cameron? Well, that's kind of hard to explain, but like he's a king. He's king of everybody. Like he died for all of us. Yes, he is what we call the king of kings. Sophie? Like a lord. 
Yes, he's also the Lord of Lords, but what does it mean to call him King of the Jews? Why do the Jews, why do so many of the Jewish people like Jesus? What do they call him? He is the Yes, the the Messiah. What's the Greek word for Messiah? Christ. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. And they both mean the same thing, which is? Not appointed. Yes, anointed. And what do you do to a king? You anoint them to be. That's how you know someone is the king, because they are anointed. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. So Pilate asks him if he is the king of the Jews. Is he? Yes, Yes, he is. So he says, yes, I am. Why does he answer Pilate? Because he is. He is. Because it's the truth. Good. Now, 12. Um, That's Cameron. Yeah. Why does he answer Pilate but not the chief priests and the elders? Because is Pilate like is question true? Yes, they bring false testimony against Jesus. But also, do you think that if Jesus answered any of the chief well, who are the people that want him to die? Does Pilate want him to die? No. No. Who wants him to die though? The chief priests want him to die. So do you think that if Jesus answers their questions in a good enough way, it will convince them, oh, you know what, this guy, maybe we don't want him to die? Yeah. You think that it would? Well, mm-hmm. If somebody makes up their mind that they want to do something, does it, will you change their mind even if you are right? No, because they've made up their minds that this is the way it is. So if Jesus, it doesn't matter what Jesus says to them, they want him to die. Even if he's right, which he is, they want him to die. So why, why bother? Why bother answering their accusations? Because nothing he can say will change their opinions. 13. Um, then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Mm-hmm. Sophie? Oh. But he gave no he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor was really amazed. Now at the feast, the governor what is the feast? Cameron? The Passover? Yes, it's leading up to the Passover, the feast of what kind of what do they eat at the Passover? Yes, good Cameron. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. So that's the feast. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed. Do you know what it means to be accustomed? No, it means that you're used to. If I'm accustomed to uh, teaching you your midweek classes, that means I'm, I'm used to doing it. I'm accustomed to it. Uh, So he was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. Why uh, did he do that? Why why was there a tradition of them releasing a prisoner? 
at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Do you know? It's okay if you don't. Do you have a guess? What is the Feast of Unleavened Bread celebrating, and the Passover specifically? And remembering, too. What is it celebrating and remembering? The, the Passover? Mm-hmm, the Passover. Um, and what happened after the Passover to Israel? Uh, there's blood. No, yeah, they put blood on the door, but that was that's what the Passover is. And then yeah. after all of that... While they were in Egypt, what happened? What was the result of the Passover for Israel? What was Moses trying to get him to do? Well, what what was he trying? He was trying to save the Israelites, but how? What was he trying? What is he telling Pharaoh? Pharaoh needed to do to the Israelites. Yes, release them. And did Pharaoh? No, even after the plagues, he did not. But what happened after the Passover? He released them. So uh, the custom is that they would release one prisoner during the feast because it was a symbol of they, uh, them being released from Egypt. Now, that's kind of nifty, isn't it? So, verse 16. That's Cameron, yep. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Barabbas. Do you know what Barabbas means? Is it murderer, maybe? Pardon me? Is it no, that's not what it means, uh, although that is what Barabbas is. He's a rabble-rouser. What's a rabble-rouser? Um, Sophie, if I say, that cousin of yours is a real rabble-rouser. What does that mean about him? A crazy man. Uh, well, not exactly. Not crazy, no. No. Uh, a rabble-rouser is somebody who causes... Like, uh, causes riots, stirs up the people, gets everybody worked up. That's a rabble-rouser. So he's a rabble-rouser and a murderer. And so that's why he is in prison. But what does the name mean? What, do we, what, do, what does St. Paul t- say about calling upon the Father? You know a name for Father? Abba. Bar? means son of, which is why Jesus calls Peter, he calls him Simon Bar Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Bar means son of. Hi, girl. Are you going to come sit with me now? Uh, Bar means son of. And Abba means father. His name means son of the father. What is significant about that? Jesus is the son of the father, yes. Well, let's look and see what happens to Barabbas. 17. 
So when they had gathered, a uh, pilot said to them, Who do you want to make this for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Mm -hmm. 18. For he knew that it was out of envy that they delivered him up. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the, but, but the chief priests and elders could persuade the multitude that, that they should ask for the rabbis and destroy Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, the governor against him, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Mm -hmm. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus? And you mean Jasmine. Do I follow Christ? They all said, let, let him be crucified. Yes, okay, so what do they want to do with Jesus? Kill him. Kill him. And what do they want to do with Barabbas? Release him. Release him. So, is Barabbas guilty? Yeah. Is Jesus guilty? Yeah. Is Barabbas punished? No. no, he's released. And is Jesus punished? Yes, so what's significant about Barabbas as the son of the father? Well, he's kind of, it's kind of like opposite of what should happen. Yes, yes, it's the exact opposite of what should happen. Uh, now, Barabbas, this is why this is important. Because you are, Sirsha, you need to play quietly. Because you are Barabbas. You are all sons of the Father. And are you guilty? Yes. Do you deserve to be punished? Yes. But you are not. You are released instead. Because Jesus goes in and takes your place. And he is the Son of the Father. You see that? Isn't that cool? Uh, Then the governor said, why, what evil has he, has he done? What does he think about Jesus? Is he guilty or innocent? He's innocent. He's innocent. And what does his wife tell him, Cameron? He tells him that, uh, let, let me crucify No, what, what does Pilate's wife tell him? Oh, yeah. Uh, have nothing to do with that judgment, for I have suffered many things today in the dream. Yeah, but what does that mean? No, Sophie, what do you think that means? Oh, no. Have nothing to do with this man, this just man. This man shouldn't be crucified. This man, well, not only that, but this man should not be punished. Why? Because he is... He's a just man, yes, he's righteous. He's innocent. Sirsha. Uh, yes. So Pilate says, why? Why do you want him to be crucified? What has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. 24. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but that a tumult was, was rising, he took water and washed his hands to be the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Yes. Uh, what does it mean that he sees a tumult? What's a tumult? 
Tumult? Tumult, yeah. It's like a riot, an uproar, if, uh, something that's big and rough. So if I say, wow, we're out on the sea and the waters are tumultuous, it means they're really kind of rough and rugged and choppy, full of energy. So when he says, when it says that there's a tumult, it means that he looks, the people are starting to riot. So what does he do? What does he do when he sees that he cannot prevail? He just says, says I'm innocent, I don't want to do this. He washes his hands too. Why does he do all of this? No, it's not that. There's what happens when uh, innocent blood is spilled. What happens to the person who spills innocent blood, Cameron? Well, the the man dies because. Yes, they have innocent blood. You know, you say you have blood on your hands. You have blood on your hands. That means you've, you've killed... Susu Jane, come in here. Close that door. You have blood on your hands. Uh, there's something called blood guiltiness. If you kill an innocent man, their blood is on you. You're the one who suffers the punishment for that. You're the one who is responsible for their death. And if they are innocent and you're the one that takes their life, you have a great punishment coming. And Pilate doesn't want anything to do with that. He doesn't want to be guilty of Jesus' blood. Okay. Uh, let's continue. And, and, and all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Yeah, what's important about that? Sophie. When the people say, let his blood be on us. Pilate says, I don't want his blood on us, on me. And they say, yes, let his blood be on us and on our children. Because they want to kill him. Um, and they, want, and they, and they um, don't care. Yes, well, that's what they are saying, is that they don't care. Uh, but there's a deeper meaning. What's a, what is the connection about them saying, let his blood be on us? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you really are covered in the blood of Christ, and that's uh, actually a good thing. Now, they say, yes, we'll be responsible for his blood, is really what they're saying, but uh, they don't realize, no, Sirsha, how important it is for Jesus' blood really actually to be on them, just like the blood of the Passover lamb. It was important for that blood to be on the door. And it was important for the blood to be on the people. That's what the priest did. He would put the blood on the people. How would you like it if we came to church and then I walked around and threw blood on you? I would wipe it off. Well, 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 well first off, it would be, be, be nice. Well, yeah. that's what the Old Testament was. If you, when you went to church, they would put blood on you. Yeah, because but... it, and it was nice because you were covered in the blood and that meant your sins were yeah, forgiven. But where, where would you get... Where would I get the blood? Oh, Cameron, don't ask questions you don't want to know the answers to. The bad kids from midweek. <laughs> um, all right, now, then the soldiers. 
Yeah, jump down to 27. Me? Yes. Oh, wait, or is it you, Cameron? I mean, uh, Seth. It's, uh, I think it's her. Yeah. yeah, it's Sophie. Okay, go. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and then gathered the whole battalion. Battalion. Yeah, or garrison. And they stripped him and put a, which means they did what? Yes. Does Jesus wear a nice little loincloth like he does in our sanctuary? No. He is, he is naked. Um, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When, when, when they are twisted a crown of thorns, they, they, they put it on his head. They put it on his head and, and read in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the villagers. Mm -hmm. And they spat on him and took and took the reed and, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they dripped him, dripped him on the robe and put his own clothes on him mm -hmm. and led him away to crucify him. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Now what does this mean? That they compelled this man, Simon, to carry Jesus' cross. Yes, they make him carry. Why do they make him carry Jesus' cross? Why doesn't Jesus carry his own cross? Cameron? Well, he is going to be crucified, but that's why he should be carrying his own cross. That's what they would do. You carry your own cross to the place where you're going to die. But why does someone else have to carry it? Pardon me? Like Jesus is in pain. Yes, he's too weak. He can't carry his own cross. Saoirse Shane, come here. What did I tell you? Now I sit Yes, now sit down over there. Um, yes, he's too weak because he's been beaten and scourged. So they have Simon carry his cross. And where do they go? And when they had had come to a place called Golgotha, mm -hmm. that is a place of, of skull. They offered him wine to drink, meant to fall, but when he tasted it, he would not consume it. Now, what's the important about Golgotha, Sophie? What's, what does that mean, Golgotha? Yeah, what's important about the place of the skull? That. It kind of means death and death. Okay, sure, it means death. Remember, if you look at my, the crucifix that I wear, what's, you remember what sits under Jesus' feet? A yeah, a skull uh, because he crushes death. Pardon me? There's a skull. Yep, you can get it. It's right, it's right up there. There's a, there's a skull right under Jesus' feet. Now, what should that make you think of? Crushing of the skull under his feet. Where have, you, where have you heard that before? He will crush your head. Yes. Uh-huh. Where, where have you heard that? 
Yeah, that's the Proto-Evangelium. I'll take that. The Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. The first gospel already in the book of Genesis is the Son of God's going to die. And then he goes to the place of the skull and is crucified on top of the place of the skull. Now, uh, okay, sitting down, they kept watch over him, and they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is verse 37. The accusation, what's an accusation? Yes? Like it's like, it's like a, a big thought that you believe, like a mystery or like something that like, you don't know. Yes, so if I say, Cameron, you're a thief, that's me bringing an accusation. It's what, pe- what, the, what people think about you, the crime that they think you committed. Now, are you a thief? Well, that's what you say. So if I were to make an accusation against you, I would also have to have... Yes, that's why you. That's why you don't make accusations if you don't have proof. Okay, Um, that's part of bearing false testimony. Now, uh, the the accusation written against him: This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Thirty-eight. Cameron. Then two robbers were, were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. Um, and those who and those who passed by derided him, uh, wagging their heads. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That, yes, Cameron. Well, I, I was going to have a bit of question. Okay, what's your question? Uh, I, I thought I heard. Uh, Somewhere else about these robbers. I thought I heard about them before. Uh huh. The the other gospels talk about the two robbers with Jesus. Is there one of them Peter? No, not one of them is not. Peter's not a robber. Well, I thought Peter was on the right, and someone no, Peter was on the left, and someone else was on the right. Oh, you're yeah. Okay, you're thinking of. Um, like Jesus' head is turned one way, and there were uh, there's people. Yeah. That's Mary and John. Mary and John, because they're the ones that sit at the foot of the cross. But they aren't. They're not crucified with with Jesus. It's two robbers because they crucify the criminals, and they're they're making fun of him, wagging their heads. And what do they say? Verse forty. Mm-hmm. And saying, "You who would destroy would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross." Mm-hmm. When's the last time you heard somebody say to Jesus, "If you are the Son of God"? Oh, I know this one, but I forgot one. Amazing, like me, the Pharisees, or no. No. If you are the Son of God, make these stones into bread. Oh, Moses? No, Cameron. I'm so confused. 
If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the top of the temple. I love you too. If you are the Son of God, bow down and worship me. I know that one is from, like, isn't that from Herod? Mm -mm. It's from Satan. When he tempts Jesus in the wilderness. And Satan runs away from Jesus and waits until a more opportune time. And now look at this. Here he is. If you are the Son of God, take yourself down from the cross. Is that what the Son of God is supposed to do? No, what is the Son of God supposed to do? To die. That's right. He's doing what he's supposed to do. So now those people think he's not the Son of God? Yes. Now, let's quick look here. Um, Oh my goodness, I'm going to read this. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. That's noon to three. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is from Psalm 22. When you come to church on Maundy Thursday, what do we do to the altar? The ladies go up and they... Yeah, that's called the stripping of the altar. They, yep, they take all of the things off the altar because Jesus is the altar. And we are treating the altar like they would take care of Jesus' body. Wait, stripping it. On Maundy Thursday, yep, to get ready for Good Friday because Jesus is, is dead on Good Friday and he is, everything is bare. Uh, so the while that's happening, the stripping of the altar... The pastor or the choir chants Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Is he? No. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What does that, why is that important? What's the veil there for? Who gets to go behind the veil? Sophie. Jesus. No. Think think about the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple. What's behind the veil? The Holy of Holies. Who's allowed to go into that part? Only the... Well, yes, only the high priest. Uh, because it's too, it's too holy. You don't get to go talk to God face to face. But now you do. Now the, temp- the curtain is torn. Now you get to go to God. There's no separation. So that's the thing that happens. And the rocks were split, the earth quaked, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Uh, What happened after Jesus' resurrection? Um, Yes, when Jesus dies... He destroys death, and when Jesus rises, he brings all the people who died before his crucifixion back. And then when he ascends, they all go with him. Okay? 
And then the centurion confesses that this is the Christ, the Son of God. Okay, that's the reading. Now, Jesus has died. Here are your terms. Remember, for your catechism, it's the review of all the commandments. Your terms are Pontius Pilate, who is the governor, Barabbas, Barabbas, the man who was a rabble-rouser and a murderer, Good Friday. Why do we call it Good Friday when it's the day Jesus Jesus died? Yes, but why is that good? Don't you think that would be bad? Good girl, Sophie. That's right. We call it Good Friday because the death of Christ is good. The seven last words. These are the last things that Jesus says on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Assuredly, I say to you this day, you will be with me in paradise. Uh, that's, he says that to the thief. Woman, behold your son. So, uh, man, behold your mother. To John and to Mary, Sophie. That's what Jesus says to them while they're at the foot of the cross. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is finished. And into your hands I commit my spirit. Okay? Then... Holy Saturday, the time of vigil and prayer. We have the Easter vigil on that day. Golgotha, that is the name of the hill outside Jerusalem, the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified. Joseph of Arimathea, he is the wealthy man who asked for the body of Jesus from Pontius Pilate. And lastly, Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene, he's the man that they compelled to carry Jesus' cross. Any questions? Okay. Very good. Cameron? Uh, So remember when you you said uh, you're going to ask us individually about the commandments? Yes, I do. Uh, Are you going to do that next week? Yes, I'm going to do it next week and the week after. Two weeks, that's how it'll be. Any other questions? Uh, no, I'm not necessarily. I'm just going to pick commandments to ask you. Okay, no more questions then. Let's go pray.